Welcome to the Mama Confessions podcast. I'm Courtney. I'm Angel, and we're two very different millennial moms having honest and relatable conversations. We'll be covering the highs and lows of motherhood, balancing careers, and what it's like to share your life in the social media world. So grab a cup of coffee or something stronger and come hang out with us. Welcome to our third episode of the Mama Confessions podcast. Today, Courtney and I are going to be talking about our labor stories. Yes, labor can be both amazing and also traumatic for many moms. Um, We're excited that we can bring quite a few different experiences through our own stories. Yeah, so to start um, with either Liam or Evie or both, did you have a birth plan? So with Liam, I kind of did. I feel like it's everything that like a new mom does. Um, and then with Evie, no, I don't really remember like writing out a birth plan, but you always kind of go into it wondering what it's going to be and you have hopes and stuff for it. So those were kind of my birth plans. Did you guys have a birth plan for your boys? Yeah. So our, um, midwife at the time, I don't know if it's, I assume it's like standard practice in her office. She has you fill out like a form for the hospital that you would be delivering at with like written out questions of like, you know, do you want visitors? Do you think you'll want medical intervention? Would you want like all this stuff? So it was like a formal paper, like birth plan that I want to say I filled out at like 12 weeks, like very, very early, even before I knew I was having the twins and then literally every single thing on that paper, including her as my doctor, went out the window. So I didn't do one thing that was on that paper. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of how it is. And that's what I always warn of first time moms. You know, you just you can't control it. Like as soon as you're pregnant, everything goes out the window. You don't have control over anything. And I did something like that, like a questionnaire and things like that when I was in labor classes with Liam. I didn't take them. I wouldn't even call it labor classes. It was like labor, delivery, pregnancy, all that fun stuff. So we kind of did that as well. But I don't know if I like ever printed it out or like brought it to the hospital. And my experience probably be a little bit different because I've always delivered on a military base as well. So did you take labor classes or like any pregnancy or baby classes? Yeah, I took quite a few. So I did, I think it was like a package through the hospital that I ended up, um, you know, determining that I was going to have to deliver at because they had the highest level NICU in my area. Um, And so they had like a program that you would take that it was a series of like five classes. So it was like labor and delivery, um, infant feeding, infant CPR, breastfeeding and then something else so it was like I want to say I don't know I know there was like a couple of the classes that were like full days and then a couple of the classes that were like every Thursday from like six to eight or whatever so it was pretty in depth and then I did some stuff on my own as well like I did two online classes for um, specifically twin parenthood not necessarily labor but kind of like in preparation when you're pregnant. So I did quite a lot of research. I mean, that would make sense. You know, once you figure out you're having twins, there's obviously a whole lot more that goes in 
goes into having twins and, you know, differences with their health and the labor and everything. But what's so funny is we did the labor classes, but honestly, I, I thought they were useless to me because I had spent so much time after my miscarriage and when trying to get pregnant with Liam, watching all these videos all over the internet, just scouring everything. So there honestly was not one thing in those classes that I did not already know. So for me, it didn't help as much. And I guess it was kind of fun, like to be around other pregnant people. The one thing I did enjoy the most was the nurse or whoever, it might've been a doctor who was doing it. She mentioned, it was these stories that would kind of like hypnotize you in a way, like using the birth hypnosis. And I remember never feeling more at peace than I did then. And even Sean fell asleep while listening to her read like the story about being on the beach. And so that was like our favorite part. And he also enjoyed being able to get out of work. So that's pretty much all that we got from that. And obviously it bonded us. It was one more thing for us to do together to prepare for our child. But when it comes to learning anything, I'd say I kind of had already covered it thanks to the internet. So, yeah, I think a lot of what I learned was like reinforced in the classes. So I did a lot of research before myself also. And I feel like then in the class hearing it from, you know, same thing, I think it was a nurse probably, or a midwife who was facilitating the class, I felt like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm almost like looking up the right stuff and I'm going down the right path. Um, but I did feel like a lot of it wasn't applicable to me because I was pregnant with twins. And so I think for twin moms or potential, you know, twin moms who are pregnant, it's okay to feel like if you're in labor classes and pregnancy classes with parents of singletons to feel like you like almost don't fit in or like the advice that's being shared or maybe some of the things that they're trying to prepare you for that are going to happen, you know, aren't going to happen to you. And so I actually had a hard time in some of the classes because I felt like, you know, they would go around the table and like it was very interactive and they wanted you to participate. But like, for example, you know, water breaking, I knew my water wasn't going to break likely. I mean, it could have, but I knew more likely than not, I wasn't going to have like the, the movie scene, natural, you know, laying at home, water breaking, <laughs> you know, going into labor, even, you know, starting labor, feeling contractions like that, because I had been feeling contractions from like 27 weeks. And so I, I felt like what people start to experience with singletons, like in probably like around 38, 39 weeks. And then like, you know, when their water breaks and those, those contractions that they're feeling when they're kind of slow before they get to like really, really intense ones, I was feeling that for weeks. And so <laughs> I didn't have like a barometer of like, oh, this is the moment that like it's happening. It, it, it was like a, I don't know, it was like a slower progression. And so I felt like I stood out a lot in the classes and it wasn't really applicable to applicable to me and looking back I probably would have tried to find a more specific class for like moms of multiples because now in retrospect I, I hear about all of the classes that I think could have been really beneficial to me yeah so another thing I was thinking about the labor classes I don't think that they're completely useless if you want to take them go for it and I definitely think it's a good idea 
to look into specific classes for your type of pregnancy. There are, there's probably a lot of different classes that you can go to. So that's really interesting to me that they have one specifically for twins. And obviously through our friendship, I'm learning a lot about twins and twin pregnancies and things like that. So it's good to know that in case any of our listeners or our friends or anyone happens to become pregnant with twins. But one thing I will say that it's good about having those classes, if you're taking those classes at your hospital, then you get to ask the people and you get to meet some of the people that may be around you when you deliver. So that's very helpful. And, you know, it was nice for me to go to the hospital, be familiar with it. And then we were able to have tours of the labor and delivery rooms and know where to go and ask questions and kind of, you know, so you know, like what to pack in your hospital bag and things like that. So that's pretty good. I don't know how it is off military bases if you're able to have those tours without the classes, especially if you have to pay for classes. Did you like have to pay for your classes? Yeah, we had to pay for our classes, but you actually could have taken a tour if you weren't um, taking the classes. And I definitely highly recommend it. Kind of what you were saying reminded me. I think being in the classes in the hospital that you were going to be delivering at took away a lot of the fear of going to the hospital when the time came because you had walked through those doors several times and you knew, you know, okay, I go in this elevator and I get off at this floor. And I think that even if you don't take labor and delivery classes, especially if either you're living somewhere, you know, that you didn't grow up or maybe you have to deliver at a particular hospital for medical reasons, like I highly recommend going to that hospital before taking a tour, becoming familiar with it so that the first time that you're walking into the hospital isn't when you're delivering because that can be really scary, I'm sure. Yes, 100%. And it was a little bit different for me. Um, with both of my kids, because like I said, being on a military base, the hospital is attached to a bunch of doctor's offices, things like that. It's all basically one big building. So either way, whatever's going to help you not have so much anxiety, especially when you're going into labor, do it. So let's talk about the water breaking. Since you obviously did not have that, that you already mentioned, um, did they end up breaking your water later? Yeah, so I actually had to look this up. I didn't know. um, So we'll get to this later. But I found out that they break the water breaks when you're having a C section as they're like cutting you. So I thought that they broke my water prior to starting surgery, but they don't. So it's really interesting. So I didn't I mean, I had no feelings. I didn't know. But I swore when I was like being prepped that my water broke because I felt like something was breaking but nope it they didn't they broke it during surgery so what about you um for both of them did you have kind of a movie moment for for either of them um a little bit so when my water did break with Liam but it was it doesn't always like you said break like in the movies where you have like a huge gush I mean it gushes but sometimes you just question yourself and I know for me like having more of like a natural labor you know, you have all these signs and you're like, is it ready? Is it time? Is it not? Like, I kind of envy the people that get to have C-sections and like planned delivery because the anxiety for me of like not knowing if this was the moment or not was driving me insane. So with Liam, I had woken up, felt like I had to pee. I was a couple days past my due date. 
and I got up out of bed and I was like, oh, I got to get out of bed before I pee it. And then I stick one foot like on the floor and I just have like a pretty significant gush go down my leg. And I'm like, oh God, am I like really, am I really peeing myself right now? (laughs) Like I've lost it officially. And I run to the bathroom and, you know, I'm sitting there and I thought it was just pee. And then I put a towel around my waist and I'm kind of thinking, and then I just like can feel it coming out. And I'm like, okay, this is definitely not pee. Cause like I can feel like I'm done peeing. So my mom was already in town. She had been, this was in Alaska. She had been with us for like a week. Cause we totally thought Liam was going to come early, had to go wake her up. And I was still in a towel when Sean came home from work to take us to the hospital. So <laughs> I was just excited. But with Evie, Uh, My water did not break until they were checking me. I went into the hospital. I was two to three minutes apart with contractions. They went to check me, said, oh, you're 10 centimeters. And then it was like a bomb went off inside of my uterus. And that hurt like a biatch. It was awful. And so, yeah, I had that gush because my legs were wide open and I was 10 centimeters. And there was a tsunami in that room. So, I've had the best of both worlds, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds horrible. <laughs> I don't ever want to experience that. No, you really don't. So for either of your babies, so we both delivered in hospitals. And I think that for me, I would always want to be in a hospital regardless. I've never been the person that wants um, a home birth. But being, you know, even though you delivered at hospitals, did you ever want a home birth? Or did you always want to be in the hospital both times? I definitely wanted to be in a hospital because A, I, I support what any mother wants to do. But I personally want to have pain meds. And like you said, medical inter- intervention. But I wish I was as calm about labor as other people are that want to have them at home. I just can't like that would give me anxiety. So I think it's awesome that people do that. And I know we've been doing it for hundreds of years before, but I'm enjoying having a hospital and being able to deliver there. So what about you? It never seemed appealing to me. I am a warrior and I'm also like a plan B, C, D, and F for, and I think that the potentials that could go wrong, even prior to finding out I was having twins, I had a very different birth plan, but like a home birth was never even a consideration for me. I always wanted to be in a hospital. I mean, I think at the time before I knew I was having twins, I might've considered, or not even might've, I think I was considering not having um, an epidural. Um, I really thought at the time that I wanted to try to see as long as I could go without the epidural. I was, I mean, I'm not opposed to it and I wasn't opposed to it at the time. Um, again, prior to having twins, I just think that I had this idea that I really, really wanted to try and test my strength. And then when I found out, you know, I was having twins, that wasn't even an option. They give you a spinal, um, regardless, even if you're going to have a a vaginal birth or a c-section for the potential of having a c-section they need to have some type of medical intervention so they don't cut your stomach open and you have no medication so um yeah so that what it it totally took that decision off of me but i think when i did have the ability to make that decision i was kind of weighing it back and forth and i thought that i really wanted to try to not but you know I think now going through um, a birth, I think that that would never happen with me. And I would take all the pain medication that there is. So um, what about you? Did you ever even consider no epidural with either or 
did you know right away you wanted some type of medication? So I was kind of the same way. I wanted to wait and see. So um, my water had broke with Liam. We went into the hospital and oh my gosh, it took forever for them to test me because they, they're like, well, you're not, you know, a face or dilated and all that BS. But I'm like, no, my water is broke. And most hospitals, they want you to have the baby within 24 hours. So that's kind of like on your side if you want to get in and you're like, no, I'm staying and I'm having this dang baby. So I went with that and was like, you know, my water broke. Like, I need to be here. You need to get this baby out of me. (laughs) So they had to swab me down there and like check it. So finally I went in. Um, I did have to have a little bit of Pitocin, which was fine. And I know there's a lot of, you know, people hate Pitocin and I don't blame them, but mine was very low and it was just enough to like keep everything moving. So anyways, I did want to try. So I made it to, I think when I was like five centimeters dilated, that's probably wrong, but you know, the last possible moment and I was like, okay, you know, I should get it, especially if my body's not progressing and I'm still on Pitocin, this is good. This might take a while. So they came in and they did my epidural. It was terrible. Basically, the nurse or whoever was doing it was fishing the needle through my back. I mean, it was awful. My mom like had to leave the room. So when it finally happened, it was nice. And I, you know, I'm glad I did it because I feel like the epidural 100% wore off once he was born. And then with Evie, I did not get a chance at all for any pain medication because she came so quickly. So as I said, when my water burst and I was 10 centimeters, I think my body just like shoved her out like 0.5 seconds later. So I did not have any medication with her, which was not in my mental birth plan whatsoever. But I did ask for some pain meds afterwards. (laughs) I can only imagine. Yeah, I had a um, so I had a spinal block with um, my surgery. So I had a C-section and I there's two options you can have. I think actually you can get an I'm not sure. I think you can get an epidural with a planned C-section. But um, like the, the more common and recommended medication is a spinal block. And then if that fails or if you have an emergency C-section, then they can do a C-section under general anesthesia. And so I think a lot of twin moms go through the decision of wanting to try for a vaginal birth and knowing that when you are having any type of multiples, you know, twins, triplets, whatever, you are delivering in the operating room. So even if you're having a vaginal birth, you need to push on an operating table. And if one baby comes out and then the next one is stuck or, you know, baby A is breached and they try and do a breach breach extraction, like there's a really high potential for twin and multiple pregnancies to result in C-section. And so they do it in a, you know, controlled surgical environment in case they need to start a C-section. And so if you didn't have any, um, if you had the epidural, say, and you were trying to push and then it wore off, they would have to put you under general or say you were having, um, something went wrong and you had to have an emergency C-section, you had to be put under general. And I am so afraid of anesthesia that the idea of going under and, Like, I just had this recurring fear that I would go under, you know, something would happen in birth, the babies would go to the NICU, or even something would happen to me, and I would, like, hemorrhage or something, and I would wake up, and the babies would be, you know, like, in a NICU, in another hospital, and, you know, it would be hours later, so... 
you know, I originally started with a midwife and when you have identical twins, you have to have your care switched to an OB for the potential of having a C-section. And so I went through kind of like all the potentials that could happen. And then I had the gestational diabetes, um, which can result in, in like larger heads for babies and baby A was breech. And so I think it was around probably like 32 weeks that my doctor, my maternal fetal medicine doctor was like, you're not even going to try for natural birth. It's not there are too many risk factors to make that even a compelling reason to even attempt it. And so we're going to just plan out your C-section and you're going to the latest that you could possibly go is 36 weeks in one day. And so, like I said, I was in quote unquote labor. I was having contractions from 28 weeks on. And so I could have had them, you know, up until that point and then would have had to have an emergency C-section. But I made it until my planned C-section date And I went in, they had the spinal. It was similar to what you said, very terrifying. I, that was probably the worst part. I had so much anxiety and I was having a panic attack. And so I feel like even though I didn't plan to have a C-section, I always wanted to have a natural birth, maybe even try an unmedicated vaginal birth because of my situation with the twins, I had to have a C-section. And so I don't know what's going to happen with future births. You know, my hope would be to try for VBAC, but I think having a C-section now, at least I would know, you know, what it's like um, if I do have to have another one. Oh, definitely. I don't think anyone plans to have a C-section. And I was always a little bit scared about having one myself because I've had two abdominal surgeries and they are no joke. So I cannot imagine having a newborn and everything that comes with giving birth. I mean, all of your organs going back to where they're supposed to in your body and everything kind of, you know, shrinking back up a little bit and then dealing with a newborn and the surgery on top of it. So what was the, like, sorry, let me try again. What was the most needed thing in your recovery from a C-section? Because I know a lot of moms are always asking, what do I need when they're going in for a C-section? Yeah, that's a really great question. So because I kind of already anticipated that I could have had a C-section, I asked a lot of moms who I knew, twin moms who I had met and knew that had C-sections. And the number one thing that they said was the belly binder. Um, and it's something that the hospital provides you with in recovery, but you sometimes you have to ask for it. And that was my case. It wasn't um, provided for me initially. And so I asked for it. And it is something that you can bring to the hospital if you want. You could like buy it online before and bring it with you. And so for me, that was huge um, because it just held everything kind of like what you were saying. Everything is all jumbled about. And so <laughs> it kind of sucked it all in and made you feel like a little more whole as gross as that sounds. So that's definitely my number one. I had one just like that too. So there's a certain brand I looked up on Amazon and I made sure to get it with Liam and I used it with both Liam and Evie and they had different ones for C-sections too, which I thought was really cool. You could, it was kind of like, like one of those like corset underwear things, you know, like, yeah, like a waist trainer. Yeah. Except, you know, it obviously went all the way down. And so I bought one and I, like I said, there was a couple for C-sections and stuff. So it can, you know, I don't think it had a zipper, but it had like those little clasps and stuff like that in the front. And then they had extra bands like an extra piece of fabric around where a C-section scar would be. So I just got the basic cheapest one and 
it helped so much, especially after Liam, because of how big he was and how jumbled I was afterwards. And it feels so good. And, you know, it felt good to like fit into jeans a little while later, you know, with the help of that, because I don't feel like after having a baby, it's so much the weight, it's the skin, no matter how much weight you lose, you still have that extra skin that's still kind of tagging along there. So everyone needs a little extra help, in my opinion, with that. Yeah, that's so interesting. I didn't even realize that, you know, people wore them after they had vaginal births. And I think for me, it was really helpful, like in the hospital. And then, you know, the whole five days I was in the hospital, and then maybe like a couple days after I got home, But then once I started losing a little bit more of the weight and feeling that extra skin, it started really bothering me, like rubbing up against me. So I didn't wear it. I know a lot of moms wear it like for like a couple of weeks postpartum. I only wore it for about a week and a half and then it really started getting uncomfortable. But everybody is different. So I think right after I had that C-section, it was like essential. But then you know, I I had to take it off because it was bothering me. Yeah, well, the one I got, it did stay to wait like four or like three to four weeks. So I think that's a little bit of a difference. If you got yours from the hospital, I'm sure it's a little bit more medical grade. But I think mine, I wasn't really supposed to wear it for at least a few weeks or so. And it's not just about vanity either, you know, fit into a pair of jeans, as nice as that sounds sometimes. But it also, like you said, like held everything together because you have no core after you give birth. Everything's jumbled. Your muscles are all stretched out. So it felt good because it, like you said, it's like a waist trainer. It kind of gives you a little more support in your abdominal area to be able to get out of bed or something. And I didn't sleep in it or anything, but wore it you know, gradually a little bit more and more and more. And I also know too, from the research I did for the one that I got, they said to get something that's a tiny bit smaller because, you know, once you lose the weight and everything, then you can continue to wear it. Or some people got one for right after birth and then size down for a couple months later, but there's a lot of different options for that. So I'm glad that you had something to help after And it's crazy how we can both relate to something like that. (laughs) For sure. I feel like kind of what you were talking about, about having no ab strength, that was so trippy for me because I didn't know, you know, you, you get so big when you're pregnant and you don't, you don't really notice that you're losing muscle tone because you're just so big. And I was really, really muscular you know, before I got pregnant and I, you know, lifted weights, I was in CrossFit, like a shrink gym, whatever. And so what literally the day that I had them, when I tried to sit up in bed to hold one of them, you know, you have that reclining bed in the hospital. And so for whatever reason it was down and I tried to sit up on my own and literally, like you said, not like a single ab, like you have no muscles tone. And that was the trippiest thing because you know, there was pain and everything from the C-section, but it was also like a feeling of like vulnerability that like you literally have no strength or I had no strength. And so I don't know if you experienced that, but that was like, it was like a mind like game to me to be like, wait a second. Like I literally cannot even sit up in bed. Like I'm not even exercising. I just can't even like lift my back up. Yeah. I definitely had some of that. I felt like because I had my endometriosis surgery before I had Liam, I was a little bit 
like having a sensation like that, it wasn't so much like no muscle tone, but just the soreness and not being able to use like your torso as easy. So I somewhat had an experience like that already, but I just felt like there's a missing piece that literally all I was was in and like, no, you know, my organs were still shoved up into my rib cage and felt like bone were like complete jelly. So that to me was a little bit of a different feeling. So I can just imagine putting together that feeling with the surgery feeling and that, that extra soreness and everything. And, oh, I do not wish that on anyone, but that just makes you that much stronger. Yeah, it was rough. And I think a lot of people probably know this, but coughing into a pillow was huge um, or any type of like, you know, sudden movement, even laughing, like anything that would cause you to like tense your abs having a pillow and a pillow in the car if you went anywhere after was huge um to kind of like to like you were saying take that pressure and that soreness away because you don't really you know you're in well at least I was in a lot of pain after and I was on like pretty heavy pain medication and so you don't really know like what's going on because you're on a lot of pain medication and then once you start to taper down from that pain medication and you start to actually feel things you don't realize that like the littlest things can cause you so much like pain and weird like movements and, and you know sharpness so I had that pillow literally everywhere I went especially when I came home from the hospital like I would bring it from room to room and even when I was walking from like my couch to my bed because it just made you feel like a little bit more secure yeah I had the pillow thing when I had my surgery as well because I had to drive um, well, my mom drove me, but two days after my endometriosis surgery, we had to drive five hours back home because I, we went to, um, like central California for my surgery. So I did have that pillow and had to have it on my abdomen in the car, especially for that long drive. And I don't really remember using a pillow so much with the kids, but like you said, you know, I didn't have surgery there. We hope you enjoyed part one of our labor stories. Check out part two next Friday, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Mama Confessions Podcast. You can get some behind-the-scenes insight and feel free to send us a message and let us know what you want to hear. And make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. Thanks for hanging out with us and letting us be a part of your day.